to Not Another Whiskey Podcast, where we have our 30 minutes with the guys at, well, the guy, one of the guys at Young Spirits, Alec Harrison, who is the, the owner and founder of Young Spirits. And Mitch, this is, the, this is the first time we've had on a bottler, somebody who actually puts spirit into bottles, perhaps the slightly less explored, maybe the less sexy side of the whiskey industry but a really, really important part of it. And it's uh, super cool to dig deep into this little subject because it's something I know very little about. I know, mate. Uh, Alex, how does it feel to uh, pop our bottler's cherry? Um, I'm very excited to be here with you guys. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about being the first bottler that's on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, we've, I mean, every time we speak to someone um, in the whiskey industry who's, who's the small to medium size, who's looking to start something off, who's looking to get into independent bottling or even established brands that are looking to do sort of slightly more unique runs and things. You guys are always mentioned, uh, I think it's fair to say, as a, as a problem solver, as a solution, uh, and obviously a really good bottler as well. Like, what's, What is the story behind Young Spirits? And I guess, what is it you're trying to do, Alex? Yeah, I guess just to take you right back to the start, in 2018, I met my, uh, well, no, so we started the business then, but about four years before then, I met my business partner, John, um, and the two of us just met in Tonic Bar in Edinburgh. Yeah, to our I girlfriend. used to work there, man. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you used to serve me cocktails there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So that must have been about 2015, probably. Were you in there then? No, 20, 2006, mate. Almost 2006. Years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll forget about it. We'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, 2015, I met my business partner, John. Um, a few years later, the two of us were looking at starting a gym, but I was really uh, quite worried about how quickly saturated the market was becoming with gyms and how many were just getting on the shelves. So um, my background had been in Scotch whiskey beforehand. I had a few clients that were looking to bottle casts of whiskey, they couldn't get them bottled at the bigger bottling houses. Um, so we just thought there was a bit of demand there, a bit of pent up demand. Um, and the two of us launched a bottling facility with maybe still the inkling to start our own gin, but then the bottling just grew and grew and really took over. So we just dived headfirst into that really. And um, yeah, we've cracked on until now, 2022. So, I mean, it's it's quite a success story that, that you guys have got, Alex. Can you run everyone through that? And and so how did you make it? I mean, there's a lot of big boys out there that are doing, doing bottling. So what, what did you do that differentiated yourself from them? Um, we just said yes to everything, which I guess is probably the start of every entrepreneur's journey. But um, yeah, we just took on all the smaller jobs that the big guys were really struggling with. So that was stuff like miniature bottling, and that could be anything from 1CL right up to 20CL. Um, we did a lot of gift packing at the time. Single cast seemed to be a real headache for the bigger guys. So yeah, we just said yes to all these smaller clients, some of which were my friends. Um, and that was the slight kind of USP that we had right in the beginning. Um, since then, of course, there's been a lot more people coming into the marketplace. There's more independent bottlers opened, um, better trying to service that market as well. Um, but yeah, I think we were quite we were quite lucky in the beginning. The first employee that we took on in the production side, he'd come from Ben React Distillery. And then he had a gang of four or five others that came with him. And each single cast we took home, we realized we needed more people. So in the beginning, I think we were doing one single cask a day. And then we managed to get up to about six single casks a day pretty quickly within the space of a couple of months. So it was good to have that core team in place already knew what they were doing to uh, give us a hand on the production side. 
And I, I was looking at your stats before this call. It's pretty impressive. I mean, you went from three to 42 employee employees now. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it changes pretty much every day, uh, just given the the capacity of work that we've got on. But yeah, about 43. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And what's the what's the kind of, we were chatting about single cast bottlings and um, some of the miniatures and things like that. Who, who, who are some of the guys that you're bottling for, then products that we could see out there on the shelves and things? Because it's, um, it's always nice for people to kind of get an idea of like how broad it can be, I suppose. Yeah, so we work with anybody from private individuals who might have a couple of casts of whiskey right up to the big MNCs. So, you know, you're um, like Perno, for example, Edrington, those kind of groups. We work with them on the miniature stuff. Um, but yeah, I think bigger volume runs. There's a couple of big online retailers that you've probably heard of. Um, we work with, yeah, we work with all sorts of client base. That's cool. And, and in terms of like, stuff you learned and all of that obviously you've been in the industry and you've brought good experience and stuff like that in like is there anything that you're like oh I wouldn't have done that again or I'd love to do more of that you know the kind of learnings of a founder are always interesting to hear you know there must be a few things you thought oh that was a mistake or that was (laughs) but happy accident sometimes too right (laughs) yeah definitely definitely and I mean I feel a bit um I think I've got a bit of imposter syndrome really sitting here telling you guys about this because um, I can only offer advice from experience. I don't know if it's the right advice really, but yeah, we're at a scale now where we are probably an established business after three years. We have been through a few a few different hurdles, if you like. Um, but yeah, I guess like a bit of advice for anybody really coming into the drinks industry. Um, I've got this saying at work, AVP or just always be prepared and what I mean by that is um you can't always be prepared right so it's a bit of an ironic statement in itself but it's um it's when you first start the business you're trying to just really get the business up and running so like I touched on earlier saying yes to everything um you raise a bit of capital maybe or you take on a loan just question that is it is it enough um will it be enough if certain things happen then you take on staff are they the right kind of staff um and then, of course, once the business becomes more established, are the staff happy? Can you keep them happy? And you just you kind of going through all these different challenges with each stage of the business. Um, but it's just always to be prepared for kind of the unprepared scenarios that you're going to fall into. Yeah, I guess we have had a few a few kind of accidents along the way. There's been a few recordings of us uh, spraying ourselves in the face with certain spirit types when we were just starting out. Um, I don't really think that you've you've kind of you're not a bottler unless you've been sprayed in the face by a hose of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I was thinking right. that because I remember the uh, I remember the story of uh, I'm sure it was it was Ardbeg Serendipity, what well, it was wasn't it where they they mistakenly blended I think it was a was a Ardbeg 17 year old and a Glen Murray eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or something like that and those little things and battings and bottlings and, and it's just the switch of the wrong valve or whatever it might be that just could be catastrophic we had, <laughs> we had one we had one with a, a McAllen 18 and a, and a Highland oh. Park once upon a time as well at Edrington and these these sorts of things happen right I mean they obviously don't publicize them and stuff but have you ever uh Angels Tears whiskeys, you know, have you ever got rid of one of those by accident or popped it into the wrong van? <laughs> <laughs> uh, cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's always the worry, isn't it? Like I always think about that, like these very rare whiskeys that super special because they're highly emotional and you know there's so little of them. They are very 
you know, you've got to be so careful with how you handle them, but these mistakes are natural. These things can happen, especially as people are involved, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's no adage in the, the bottling industry and it's, you never hear if you've done a good job, but you'll always hear if you've done a bad job. Is that, that makes sense. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. So in terms of like, what's sort of next for you guys, you're bottling other people's products, but you've got your own rum brand, uh, which is out there. Um, and actually I, I came across it by accident. I was in, um, I was in Nauticus the day after you did your little party. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. there was bottles of it knocking about. So I had a little taste and there. We were doing a photo shoot down there. It's a great bar. Um, but that, that sounds like it's going quite well for you guys. And, and certainly your own brand, having your own brand, it must be quite interesting having the experience of, bottle and so many other people's previously it's a lot easier put it that way um yeah with uhuru uhuru was a bit of a passion project for us really my business partner john he spent a lot of time in south africa when he was younger um and with young spirits as more of a concept type thing we were looking at what else we could do to to give back to local communities or to give back to communities afar in this case um and africa was something that was very close to his heart so when we launched the brand we did it in collaboration with tusk charity which is a charity based out of London, but they raise money for conservation in Africa for African wildlife. So yeah, 10% of net profits from all sales of the rum and the whiskey that we've got go to Tusk Charity. And that goes into various conservation projects across there. Um, and we just launched last, well, a couple of weeks ago now, we launched our partnership with Edinburgh Rugby. Um, so that's our real first foray into advertising with that brand. And I must admit, it is a little bit of a punt, but there is budget there to be spent for it. Um, so I guess we can only analyze the results at the end of the season, but that's quite an exciting opportunity for us. Oh, big time. And, and like rum, rum's important, right? I love rum. Uh, big fan of it, as Mitch knows as well. We don't talk a lot about rum on, on the podcast, but I think there is a lot of overlaps, right? It's an age spirit. Uh, Flavor-wise, there's a lot of boxes are ticked between rum and whiskey and and I find that whiskey drinkers quite often like to explore rum and are quite interested in the category. Are you finding that then with the the Ruhu, the rum side of things? Are you finding there's a bit of an overlap between some of the whiskey and the rum drinkers? Yeah, definitely. I think um, a lot of the whiskey drinkers to begin with are a bit standoffish about the rum, whereas I find it a lot easier to convert people from rum into whiskey, but not vice versa. Um, but I think that that's what we're trying to do with the cocktail generation. So we've come up with a series of cocktails that are all based around uh, the wildlife that, that exists in Africa. And um, yeah, we're, we're slowly kind of trying to break down that barrier. But I've only managed to attend one of the rugby games at the minute and we weren't quite on the bar at that stage. So I'll have to see what the next one will be like, see what the yeah, feedback's yeah, like. Definitely. I, th I think whiskey drinkers probably look down on rum a little bit. That's my uh, my sense I'm getting is there's a bit of snobbery involved there. And I get it because rum is less regulated. Um, it's it's not as tightly regulated and, and it can be questionable sometimes. <laughs> added flavors and stuff but i think if you get good drums i mean they're they're right up there yeah absolutely and on the flip side of that on the contract bottling side we're seeing more and more rum coming through and um i've got a feeling that's probably to do with the way things are priced at the minute because with whiskey whiskey's just so expensive uh, especially single casts of whiskey um and rum just represents a really good opportunity for better value product um because the the age can be very similar the taste profile isn't too dissimilar especially that age but um yeah it offers a lot better value for money i'd say especially in this yeah. day and age yeah and see see on the on the sort of your own brand side 
casks have become quite hard to get hold of. Um, getting hold of whiskey to create your own brands and things has has become quite challenging in, in the last couple of years. How are you guys finding it on that front? Are you are you able to get stock to be able to build your own brands as time goes on? Is that something that you guys are looking at? Yeah, same same as everybody. I think it's it's very difficult right now to get different stocks, um, especially to get interest in stocks, just given the value of um, some of the parcels that we're seeing. But been very fortuitous in the past that we've got good links with um, some of the distillery groups, some of the larger players in the industry, um, and we've invested a lot in stock prior to setting up the business. So we had quite a quite a large amount of casks when we came into the business, um, and a lot of that is now three years on in maturation terms. So. Yeah, we've got that that portfolio there to pick from for um, a couple of our own brands. Uh, and what's next then for you guys at Young's? Are you are you going to stay where you are out at Bankhead? Are you going to run out of space soon? What's <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good question. We've ran out of space three times now, and Have you? Times, yeah, <laughs> that's a good problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is at the time, but then when you're dealing with the headache of moving it all again, it becomes a bigger problem. Um, but actually, in November we're moving again to. We've taken on another warehouse which is next door to us, so. In the beginning, to give you an idea of the scale, we went from 2,000 square foot. We're now at about nearly 40,000 square foot with the new warehouse that we're taking on. Um, so that's going to be a bit of a, a short-term maturation site. We've got room for about 2,000 casts in there, probably for one to two years storage, just to help the bottling operations. And then we might look at some longer-term maturation opportunity as well. But um, yeah, in terms of exciting things that happen for business we've got financial controller starting in october which everybody's very excited about um that will allow us to do a bit more cost analysis with the yeah. stuff we've been making yes to things go we, we're actually <laughs> that, yeah. yeah absolutely i think that'll help the guys in production um and then yeah a couple more key hires off the back of that and we've got some pretty exciting plans for the brands uh edinburgh rugby of course being already underway so yeah there's there's a lot of stuff coming up um that i'm sure you'll hear about in the near future very cool and alex i wanted to ask you as well you, you know a lot of the big guys right now are struggling with raw materials glass and cork and everything like that how, how have you guys find that find that is been okay or yeah we've um well actually no not really <laughs> we were okay and then uh when the ukraine war happened we we've been less okay um to give you an example, when we first started the business, um, so going back to 2018, about six months later, the COVID hit and we had to shut down the business for about a week. Um, we we're really worried about what was going to happen next, where we we're going to have to shut down the business for good. Then we got a call from a couple of the distilleries saying that they were producing hand sanitizer um, and the normal labs that were processing it couldn't process the hand sanitizer that they were making because it was full of cask chips. So um, they asked if we could bottle it for them. So we took on a few IBCs of hand sanitizer to begin with. And sure enough, uh, that grew and grew and grew. And the car park was full of hand sanitizer and the neighbors were getting a bit unhappy. So that, that kind of accelerated our first move. Then the second move, um, again, we ran out of space when the spirits came back on because we had a bit of a backlog. Um, and at that point, we were just kind of on the fringes of Brexit. And then, of course, Brexit hit and we couldn't really get stuff out the facility. So then we had a problem of trying to push stuff out because all the shipping laws had changed. Um, but it wasn't affecting the supply so much. And now that the Ukraine wars kicked off, we are really struggling to get hold of glass. We're struggling to get hold of corks, caps. Um, 
I didn't realize the Ukraine had such a, was supplying so many corks to different companies, but we've had a lot of companies come to us and just tell us, hey guys, sorry, we cannot bottle on this date because we can't get the corks in time. I haven't looked at a different supplier. So beforehand, last year, for example, where we were able to pull off or call off like one or two pallets, we're now having to actually forecast how many pallets we're going to be using for the next two years and ordering that in bulk and leaving it in Europe before we can pull off, say, 10 pallets at a time. I suppose it's a crazy thing that maybe people listening don't really think about is is the shortage right now and all the supplies for whiskey, but it's, it is a serious problem that we're having to address right now within the industry, you know? Yeah, massive. Um, I mean, all the raw materials, they've apparently tripled in price, not that we, we have access to that really. Um, the glass is a, a major problem, a major factor. I mean, there's a there's two really common bottles that we use, the Oslo bottle and the Noctin bottle. And as I say, last year, we were able to just ring up the supply and we could get them within either 24 hours or a week later. Now it's like you're ordering a year in advance. Is it, wow, that's that's mad. I mean, you're, you're part of the industry, must COVID because of how many people you need to be working on a bottling line, for example. I, I was at White Mackay during COVID um, and I remember speaking with the guys at Grangemouth, which has got a decent sized bottling facility over there. And just the social distancing on the lines and stuff like that was a real, real challenge for them. Combined with Brexit, combined with supply, which is obviously massively impacted with Ukrainian issues and things like that. I mean, you guys are right at the sharp end of all three of those issues, really, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And it's funny because um, as the staff beforehand, we were just hiring friends and family when we needed them. But then (laughs) as this has all kicked off, it's been a lot more crucial to get people in with the right expertise who can actually have. So we've we've just taken on somebody who's a specialist in logistics. So he's joined us. Um, We've got a couple of account managers now. We've got somebody else that's able, like a proper procurement manager who's able to forecast and procure stock on our side. So yeah, these these roles just become a lot more vital as the company scales. That probably would happen naturally, but I think given the the circumstances and the things that are going on in the world, we've had to we've had to get those positions filled quicker than we thought we would have to. Yeah, but you've achieved a lot, man, in what three and a half years, four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been uh, yeah, it's been a, a pretty steady upward growth trajectory, uh, but we know it's going to plateau at some point, and it's just to to kind of be ready for that. Make sure we got the foundations there. So what's the uh, what sort of output then are we talking? How many how many bottles can you guys whiz down a line? Have you got all that sort of stuff in your head? Is because I know that guys that work on the lines are always like, oh, we can get three thousand bottles every seven minutes, and that's a billion bottles a year. And <laughs> <laughs> so it was like that. It did used to be like that, and we used to try and just get out as many bottles as we can. But then of course you got to take things into account like quality, um, spirit prep before it hits the line, stuff like that. Just make sure that it's pretty to go. Um, so yeah, at the minute we probably do about four thousand bottles a day, um, and that's across two lines. We've also got a miniature line, and that can do anything up to about six thousand eight thousand bottles a day brilliant brilliant so Mitch we know what's happening when we need a not another whiskey podcast uh, miniature set we know we know where to go uh, absolutely <laughs> exactly absolutely brilliant now, Alex that's really interesting I mean as I say this is a side of the the whiskey industry that, that Mitch and I are, are far less experienced and we are much more on the front of house stuff um <clears throat> chopping around bars drinking cocktails and things <laughs> less less worried about where a cork comes from and uh <laughs> what adhesive you need on the label and things like that you know that's not certainly not our area of expertise but it is always interesting because it's the reality is is you know this is the the bit that you need this this is a really essential part of the industry and 
hearing a little bit more about it from yourself was really cool. One of the things we covered in a previous episode was like around sustainability. Um, and, and that's obviously like, it's a key pillar in almost every company now. Like they need to know glass labels, you know, how, how do they recycle and things like that. How, how's that impacting you guys? I mean, I know you're not changing much because you've been doing it only for a few years really, but like, is that an important part of what you guys are doing? Are you kind of tasked with finding some of these solutions or are they usually just brought to you and you guys are just kind of executing them? Um, no, we're definitely tasked with finding them. That happens quite frequently. It's um, we, we started with our own sustainability plan in place. So we had this idea whereby we were going to look at the entire supply chain. So that was stuff like if we were buying glass, where does the glass come from? How's it created? Can we reduce the carbon footprint there? Same with card. Um, even stuff like the pallets, can we get pallets that are local to us rather than bring them in from overseas, for example? Um, and that's something that we, we, we're probably not good enough at, actually, and we need to keep reviewing and keep going over, but it's just trying to find the time to do that. It's very, very difficult. Um, we do have solar panels at Young Spirit, so we're kind of 30% less reliant on grid energy that we were in the last place. Um, and again, that's something else that we need to look at. How can we be more sustainable in that area? There's a big thing coming in, um, which I've flipping forgot the name of, but it's um, it's a bottle. Return? Yeah, the return scheme, yeah. yeah. So that's coming in across Europe and uh, coming into Scotland as well. Um, so that's going to change things as well drastically. And it's just about understanding that better and having the time and resources really to to plan for when that comes into effect. Yeah, because that's a big one, isn't it? I was chatting to someone yesterday about that. It was actually, they were uh, canning uh, soft drinks and... Uh, single units like that I think are probably going to get something like 17 pence added to them or something I can't remember the exact number but um, I guess on bottles of spirits it's probably going to be higher than that um, being that mm. bigger and more valuable and stuff but that is a, it's a big impact isn't it that's going to have in terms of because it's added cost um, and complexity probably as well yeah definitely on the complexity side because I know we we now operate in two aspects as in we're a contract bottler and we have our own branded stuff but the majority of the business is contract bottling rather than branded. And it's just how it affects us as a contract bottler because we do supply glass to customers. So it's just, are we able to pass on that cost? How do we actually get that cost back and able to pass those costs on to the customer? It's all those kind of questions we need to be asking. But um, yeah, I guess that'll be a project for us later in the year. Yeah, it's a deposit return scheme, isn't it? Yeah, the DRS. Yeah, <clears throat> when's that that's kicked? Is it next year? Yeah. Next August, I think, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a big one. That, yeah, we'll we'll probably get into that one at a later episode and, and really understand like what that means for the industry and stuff. But it's very much more of a kind of production thing, which obviously, which is what you guys are, are very involved with. And and as you've got the bottling uh, and the business is up and running, you've got your brands. Um, have you ever have you ever been interested in the sort of distilling side, or are you guys quite happy to kind of leave that to the others, or is that something that's maybe on the horizon one day? Yeah, I definitely say it's on the horizon one day. Uh, we just can't make our mind up and we just get sidetracked a lot by the contract bottling. So have that plan in place is something that we need to nail down. But at the minute, well, <laughs> before the Ukraine war kicked off, it was spirit was fairly accessible to us. Um, so we didn't have problem buying spirit. Um, and that's something that we've always we've always been uh, that's been like a key asset to the business. But um, going forward, if it is going to be as unpredictable, it's certainly something that you think about more and more. But yeah, definitely on the horizon for us. I don't think we want a new distillery necessarily. We'd probably be looking for a more established distillery. Um, but obviously, that comes with a huge amount of capital. So it's just then how we plan for that. Yeah. No, that's. It. I mean, they are they are expensive. I mean, they're expensive to build, right? 
most yeah. of the distilleries that are that are being established are sort of 10 million quid 12 million quid builds and then you've got if you if they're sat on any stock it becomes quite valuable quite quickly so yeah it would be a big outlay but a massive opportunity and especially if you've already got um so many things in place the bottling a little bit of distribution appetite for product and things you guys can just crack on with it and it seems like warehousing is a big challenge for a lot of people as well at the moment uh, space to put casks um, which you've obviously identified because it's it's something you guys are looking at and doing already but that's another issue that, that a lot of people i speak to are saying there's there's just nowhere to put casks it's really challenging yeah it's an absolutely enormous uh, problem for the industry and it's just growing and growing um I guess it's just landmass. People that own the land, do they want to turn that warehousing into into maturation warehousing? That brings with its own problems because then are you dealing with one client or are you dealing with 50 clients or even more than that? How often are the casts changing hands? Um, what what happens if any of the casts leak? You know, you're entering a, a totally different game really with a maturation warehouse. So you've got to be quite um, quite kind of like vigilant really. Yeah, I said, uh, that, a lot of people just think, oh, well, that, that sounds brilliant. You, know, you can just put all the casks in there and that's it. You leave it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You know? I mean, I've got space under my couch. I could get three under there, no problem, you know. <laughs> Guys, that's what we thought about bottling. <laughs> <laughs> we thought this would be dead easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, it seems like you guys have, uh, you're making it look easy anyway. Um, what we must do, and I haven't been out yet, um, but I'd love to come out and, and see you guys. And, and I know yeah. maybe once you've moved, it's probably more sensible if you're moving quick, if you're moving quite soon, maybe wait till then. But yeah, I'd love to come out and see you at Site Hill. Mitch and I can come out and have a have a saunter about. It'd be cool. Yeah, and, and I was reading as well, Alex, you've got a bar there, right? So you had me at bar. So <laughs> <laughs> well, we should have maybe next time we could do the podcast from there. Sounds like a good shout, man. Definitely. <laughs> But yeah, no, you're more than welcome, both of you, to pop out and see us. Um, the move is just really, we're just putting racking up in November, so you can come out before then, after then, whenever you want. All right, brilliant. Nice one. Alex, thanks so much for your time, mate. Great to hear more about Young Spirits. And what we'll do is we'll share the the Instagram handle. It's at, what's the what's the handle there? Um, Are you asking for our handle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just let me check this. It's... It's at Young Spirits Bottling Co. CO. Yeah. So Can we do that again just so it's a little bit cleaner for the edit? Yeah. At, at Young Spirits Bottling Co. Actually, let me let me just do that. So, Alex, if people want to find out about Young Spirits, where can they find out about it? They can go to our Instagram handle, which is Young Spirits Bottling Co. Brilliant. And, and also um, the website, which is very nice, I have to say. It's very snazzy. And I kind of mentioned this at the start. Is you're actually making something that was always sort of seen as the, the kind of back end of the whiskey industry, bringing it right to the fore, which is quite cool. Um, so youngspirits.co.uk. Uh, check the guys out. Find out a little bit more about what they're up to. It's, uh, it is, it's really interesting, actually. I found it um, really useful having a quick look at the website. So thanks very much, Alex, for joining us hearing a bit more about Young Spirits and uh, we look forward to come and see you at the, at the Baldwin Hall very shortly. Not at all. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Alex. See you guys. Bye.